Welcome to the Demand Gen Club podcast, the first podcast exclusively dedicated to B2B demand generation secrets and best practices as shared by some of the top leaders in the industry. This podcast is brought to you by SASMQL, the account-based marketing agency based in Redwood City, California. They help venture-funded SaaS companies scale demand generation from target accounts. By combining intent data, automation, and a proven methodology, SASMQL can help your startup generate millions of dollars in sales opportunities within a few months. To learn more, go to sasmql.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Dimension Club podcast. I'm your host, Franco Caporale. Our guest today is Sesame Mish, Head of Growth Marketing at IntelliMize. IntelliMize is the intelligent website optimization that uses machine learning to help marketers accelerate website testing and personalization at scale. On average, IntelliMize customers have achieved a 46% lifting web conversion at 25 times the speed of A-B testing. IntelliMize is trusted by brands like Drift, Snowflake, Sumologic, Tableau, Dermalogica, Looker, and many more. Sesame has been leading demand generation in Telemice for the past two years. She works very closely with the sales team to help them engage with target accounts, run ABM programs, and drive qualified leads and pipeline. Before Intelimize, Sesame worked in other famous SaaS companies such as Kahuna, Greenhouse Software, and Marquero, where she focused on demand generation, digital marketing, marketing operation, and content marketing. So I'm really excited to welcome today Sesame Mish, Head of Growth Marketing at Intellimize. Sesame, I'm very excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's so great to be here and speak with you, Franco. And obviously, we have been knowing each other now for a couple of years that we've been partnering together. So I'm, I was really happy when you accepted to join us and uh, share some of your uh, knowledge with us. So thanks again. Absolutely. I'm excited to share what I know with your audience. Perfect. So I want to start right away with uh, some information about your background, particularly how did you get started in the field of uh, demand generation? Tell us a little more about your story and how you got where you are today. Sure. Uh, So my first venture into SaaS um, actually was at Marketo. Um, I did content marketing there and literally you know, day in and day out, just cranking out content. Over time, um, I started to get eager to understand how my content was being used and how um, it was impacting demand generation. And so I started to kind of, you know, follow that and start measuring, you know, how how is my content like uh, playing into demand gen? How is it moving sales deals forward? And when I started figuring these things out, that's where I got really, really excited. And I knew then that my future, my future career was going to be more on the demand gen side of things. And so when I went to other companies after Marketo, um, namely Greenhouse and Kahuna, I started to take on more demand gen responsibilities and my skill set grew from there. That's awesome. So your your uh, path was basically from content marketing into more demand generation and more uh, uh, campaigns level as as you moved uh, from one company to the other. Yes. Awesome. And uh, so you've been uh, at Intellimize now for a couple of years. Can you tell us more what's your role there? What are your responsibilities? What do you focus on? Yeah. So I've been at Intellimize, like you said, uh, just under two years now. And my title is Growth Marketing Director. So basically, I am overseeing our demand gen and growth marketing efforts. 
And at the end of the day, I am measured on the number of marketing qualified leads and the number of sales accepted leads that we get into the funnel. And so I really care about programs and campaigns that are not only going to drive a quantity of MQLs for me, but that are also going to be very high quality to ensure that they do turn into an SAL and that beyond that, they do keep going um, further down the sales process. So I'm running, you know, several different programs and campaigns at any given time. Um, Everything from doing paid ads to nurture campaigns to doing ABM and direct mail um, to also doing virtual events and webinars. Perfect. And you guys were all over the press like last week or a couple of weeks ago because you raised another round of funding. Can you can you tell us more about IntelliMize for those for those people that don't know what IntelliMize does? Yeah, absolutely. So IntelliMize um, is software. Uh, we offer intelligent website optimization. And basically we're using machine learning to automate website testing and website personalization in tandem. And from that, we're accelerating the number of web conversions and revenue that's coming through websites. And uh, we sell to both B2B companies and B2C companies. So we optimize both types of websites. And you guys work with some pretty famous brands. Is there any that you can mention that are your customers today? Uh, So we work with uh, Snowflake and Sumo Logic. And on the e-commerce side, we work uh, with the Unilever Prestige Brands and Dermalogica. That's fantastic. I think everyone knows those, those logos. Those are awesome accounts to have yeah, as, a, as a customers. So obviously, I have many questions about your current role since you've been there for a couple of years. So you see them kind of growing from... Uh, you know, smaller startup to now having raised more and more funding and closing larger accounts. So tell us a little bit how you're organized there. What's your, uh, what's your tech stack today? What are some of the technologies and platform that you use for, uh, for your role? Sure. So we use Salesforce and Marketo. We also use Mixmax and Mixmax is a, um, for those who don't know, is an email sending platform. And, and uh, is yep. Marketo, sorry, uh, is Marketo, the Marketo influenced by your past at Marketo? Or is that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I a know. lot, I, you know, every company I've been at since Marketo has used Marketo uh, just by coincidence. So I, I think it's, uh was more just a coincidence than oh, anything okay. else. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So use Mixmax for uh, sales automation. Cool. Yep, to, exactly. To send uh, sales and SDR emails. And then for um, our webinar and virtual events, we use Livestorm. Um, it's a newer platform that we've tried and we've continued to use it because it's worked well for us. We love it because it facilitates audience engagement better than previous platforms we've used. Um, so it, it doesn't really have like a typical Q&A module that keeps things really separate from the audience. Instead, it has a live chat stream. So all the questions and comments from both panelists and the audience are all in one place and everyone can see them and react to them at once. And so we really like that format for creating more engagement in our webinars. And we've seen that be a lot more effective for making people stay on the webinar longer, which I know is a a common problem we're all trying to solve. And then beyond Livestorm, we also use G2. Uh, We leverage their buyer intent data to help strengthen our demand gen and our sales outreach. Um, And then I'll also mention that we use Clearbit. We use two different 
aspects of Clearbit. One is that we use Clearbit Reveal. Uh, we've used it for a long time on our website, and it's actually integrated with our own product in Telemize, which we obviously use on our website as well. And from Clearbit Reveal, we're able to tailor website experiences to different visitors based on the industry they're in or the company size they're in, things like that. Um, so we found that very effective as an integration with Intelemize. And then on the other side of things with Clearbit, uh, we just most recently uh, started using the Clearbit Enrich function, uh, which will enrich our database both on the Marketo and Salesforce side. Um, and then finally, I think the last uh, tool I'll mention that uh, we have loved and found uh, many uses for is um, Zapier. It's connected to uh, some of our systems and it helps us uh, sync tools such as our G2 buyer intent notifications are now coming through our Slack instance. And also when we do webinars, uh, we connect our Livestorm to Marketo through Zapier so that we can have the registrations automatically come through to a list on Marketo, which is very helpful. Yeah, I see Zapier becoming more and more popular with all of the system, you know, sparse around. You need something to connect and integrate all of these different platforms. So that's, uh, I think, becoming very, very frequent to see Zapier. And we'll talk yes. about G2 in a second. I want to ask you, of all of this platform, what is, uh, what is your favorite tool, something that you wouldn't uh, want to give up? Yeah, I, I, that's a hard question to ask, what's my favorite tool? Because I couldn't really live without any of these. Um, but I, um, I will mention a feature of one of the tools that really stands out and that really helps me day in and day out. And that's with Mixmax. They have a feature where Mixmax actually integrates with my Gmail and has a side panel where in real time, it's showing me who's opening my emails right when it happens, who's clicking on a link in an email right when it happens. And also if I have sent meeting invites out, have they been accepted? And so it's telling me all of this like a live dashboard right inside my Gmail. So super easy to access and um, to have that visibility is invaluable. That's fantastic. Yeah, I used Mixmax before as I found it very, very, very useful. And uh, kind of moving away a little bit from, uh, from the platform, I want to know some information about your, uh, your campaigns and lead sources because you, you are targeting very large brands, right? So I, I would like to know more about what are these leads coming from? What are your opportunities coming from primarily today? And what are you investing marketing budget? Yeah. So as far as our main lead sources, our main, pretty much our main MQL sources, because as I mentioned, that's really what's top of mind for me um, and what's driving all the programs I'm running. We've engaged in doing some virtual event sponsorships. And that has, I'd say, historically um, not always been the biggest source of MQLs. I, I think what I'll say here is that you can't just do the sponsorship and automatically you know, see those MQLs rolling through the door in, a, in an immediate sense. And I think a lot of people get turned off by that and will just stop doing those sponsorships. But what you do get right away is brand awareness. And if you do enough of them, that will help over time. Um, but as far as the immediacy factor, what I have seen drive MQLs much quicker and get higher ROI out of these sponsorships, which is why I do like to continue doing them, is the fact that I have found that if you are very strategic afterwards, after the event, about doing very specific follow-up, meaning 
very specific, the, con- the copy that you're using in the email is very specific to the event. You're doing one idea per email, making it very focused. I think that is what is helping us drive more immediate MQLs from these sponsorships. And at the same time, we're getting that brand awareness that I just mentioned. So it's kind of killing two birds with one stone. And that's why I'm seeing a lot more ROI from these sponsorships now. And I know at Intellimize, you guys are very, you know, ABM focused, and we'll talk uh, in a few minutes about that as well. Um, so I, I would like to also understand how do you generate leads with limited budget today? You know, like any other startup where you don't have, you know, millions of dollars to, to invest. Yeah, great question. And I think it's also a very timely question because, as you know, this year, um, things have, you know, been crazy and we've all had to deal with restricted budgets in 2020 um, and the uncertainties around COVID. Um, and we're, like, we're, we're in that same boat. We've had to deal with this too. And so prior to COVID, my biggest MQL generator was something that cost money and it was doing these in-person executive roundtable events. But once COVID hit, that was automatically cut. And I was like, oh no, like, what am I going to do? My biggest MQL generator has just completely gone away. And now I also have a more limited budget. Like, what am I going to do? So I needed to find some um, no-cost ways to bring MQLs in immediately. And so I ended up finding two paths to do so. And both of them have actually um, come down to leveraging email in a much more strategic way than I ever had before. So one of them is that I completely revamped our email nurture. All of our channels, first off, all of our channels ultimately point to nurture. um, And I think it's similar in other companies as well. So this was a very key area for us to improve upon. And if I could improve upon it correctly and do a good job, I knew it can make a big impact for us and do it you know, for $0 essentially. So our nurture had not been optimized or revisited in a long time. And when I had first designed the last instance of it, I was eager just to push our content out and basically design each email around a different blog post that we have and just keep pushing this content out that was already on our website. But as time went on, like, yes, people consumed in the beginning, but as time went on, like I noticed it, the, the nurture became stale and our metrics were dwindling over time. And I was like, you know what, like this content's already on our website. It's not valuable. It's not, it's not standing out or unique in any way versus other vendors and their nurtures. And that's really what it comes down to is we needed to stand out in the inbox and revamp our nurture so that it would make people excited to get that email in their inbox and we would become more recognizable that way and would get that open. And so what I did was we completely changed our nurture approach from a typical like content or blog focused nurture to a nurture that was going to share ideas, share examples, and really get our prospects and the people receiving these emails excited not only about the email they were looking at now, but also get excited for the next one. And so a common question that we're always getting, because we we do website testing, we do website personalization, and marketers are always dealing with, you know, what kind of ideas should I be testing on my website to drive conversions? Like which ideas out there are working? And we're always hearing these questions. And so we're like, what if we built a nurture around sharing these types of examples with everybody that everyone's always asking for? It seemed like a no-brainer. And so that's what we did. And so each nurture email, we present one website optimization idea really to just inspire our audience and make it very actionable that they can see this idea. We can show, hey, this idea 
worked for one of our customers. Here's the increase in um, number of conversions that they saw on their site. Here are the actual before and after visuals to make it the email even more interesting. And now whoever's reading that email could be like, oh, cool, I can go apply this in my organization tomorrow. And I can also go share this with my team and get them excited about it. And so we have found this approach to our nurture where we're sharing one very visual example per email to be so much more effective than just pushing out blog posts and eBooks in our email. And so That's, we've actually, that sounds like a ton of work Sesame. Uh, <laughs> so I'm very curious to know yeah. what results you, you're having from that. Yeah. And so I'm excited to tell you that it worked out, you know, was it going to be receptive? We didn't know. The short answer is yes, it worked out. And we're seeing a, we've seen a 79% lift in the click-through rate on these emails. So we're seeing this as a signal that this content in particular is compelling enough for people to want to learn more about Intellimize and read more about us on our website. So they're clicking through on the email to do that. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is using these emails to compel uh, whatever's in the email to compel people to want to learn more about our product. Separate from that click-through rate, we're also seeing a 63% decrease in the number of unsubscribes on our nurture. I know that's another battle that a lot of marketers fight is not wanting those unsubscribes to come through on the nurture. And we've seen a 63% decrease in that. So we, we know we're onto something. We know people are looking forward to receiving that next email. And really, that's the goal at the end of the day. Yeah, this really separates from, you know, a lot of companies that do the kind of set and forget type of nurture, which is understandable, right? There is a, there are a lot of priorities, a lot of programs running at the same time. But when you do take the time to really personalize and add value from each email that you send, it makes a big difference. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself, Franco. Um, awesome. And then I did have one other one to share with you. Um, so the nurture was one way that we got a lot more strategic with email and found success with it. The other way um, is something I, I mentioned um, a little bit earlier, which was after virtual events, after webinars that we participate in and speak on. In the past, I had been sending the uh, one follow-up email to the registrant saying, you know, thanks for attending. Here's the recording. Here are, you know, some bullet points on the main takeaways if you don't have a chance to read the recording or watch the recording. And that was it. That's all I did. And obviously, from that one email, we were seeing very little conversion, very little hand raisers. We've completely changed that approach at this point. What we're doing now is after the virtual event or webinar is over, we're not just, we are sending the recording and we are saying thank you for attending and sending, you know, the main takeaways, but we're going beyond that. We're sending, now we're sending, instead of one email, we're sending five or six email follow-up. And each of those emails has one idea in it from the webinar and how that idea ties back to the Intellimize product to get people excited about, you know, asking for more information or learning more. And so we're finding a much, much better conversion rate on our webinars and virtual events because of this new process that we've implemented. And so actually at this point, it used to be 0%. Now it's 10% of our marketing attributed MQLs are coming from webinars and virtual events. And I only see that number increasing over time. Do you see a difference between uh, webinars and virtual events? I mean, um, how, how's your... Uh... What's your opinion about these virtual events that obviously this year became very popular everywhere? 
would yeah. you compare it more to a webinar or more to a to a live conference like do you get value from it i think i touched on this a little bit earlier like with virtual events it's it, that sponsorship you're paying a lot of money for it and i think yes you're getting the speaking slot it's really what you do with it afterwards that really matters and that's where this strategic email comes into it but there's also the other side where you're getting a lot more credibility because your brand is uh, and your logo is alongside these other great brands and logos on the landing page and by association you're getting this credibility you're getting this awareness you're getting more leads in your database and and eyes on you than you would have by doing a webinar on your own right and so I think there's definitely value in that. It's not necessarily measurable value or immediately me measurable value, but I do think there's, there's definitely something to say about participating in those sponsorships that makes sense. And that is putting you aside um, other brands and in front of your um, ICP. Do you believe people that say that live events are, are dead forever or do you think they're going to come back? <laughs> I hope they come back because uh, selfishly, I, I uh, love working the booth and I love talking to um, customers and prospects alike. And uh, so selfishly, I hope they come back for, for that reason. I think it's a great way to meet other people in the industry and, and get people excited. You can only you know, go so far with an email back and forth <laughs> with people. I agree. I'm, I honestly miss them a lot, you know, going to conferences and meeting people in person is you know, the live engagement is definitely another level, in my opinion, compared to, you know, virtual events, but, you know, Absolutely. for the time being. <laughs> yeah. So I want to go back a little bit also and talk, uh, you mentioned G2 earlier. So I want to, I want to discuss a little bit about intent data, how you guys leveraging G2. I'm curious, what is your process to really make this intent data actionable and get value from it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have been purchasing the G2 intent, intent data for a while. And in the beginning, we weren't leveraging it to its full advantage. Originally, our intent signals came in and the ones that um, seemed more important than others were mentioned to our sales team. And you know they incorporated that into their email cadences, um, which was great, but there was really no set process or accountability or any measurement in place for these intent signals. And it, it kind of just wasn't top of mind. And so, you know, absolutely, we had to do something about that. And so what we started to do was take a much more SDR approach. Um, we started following up on these intent signals one by one, first making sure it was an ICP for us. But if it was, we would follow up on it and we would send a very personalized email to a handful of contacts at each of these accounts that were coming through and showing these signals. And so we would send this one very personalized email. And so we're like, this is going to be great. It's so personalized. How could they not respond? Right. But what we found was because it was just one email that actually had worse impact than the fact that it was personalized. And so just sending the one email was not enough to get someone to reply back in a positive way to say, hey, you know, I want a demo or, or to raise their hand. And so we really had barely any results to show from this effort, even though it sounded really good um, from the beginning. Now what we're doing instead is like, okay, we got to completely change what we're doing. We're still not getting anything out of this. What we're doing instead is we have started integrating the intent signals from G2 into a uh, shared Slack channel. So I mentioned Zapier um, before, and we use Zapier to do this and connect the two. Um, and this way, the intent signal is more visible to many different 
different team members at once instead of st- instead of staying siloed in one person's inbox. So we put it more on a mass scale. So this way, there's more accountability for following up. And team members will also, um, based on the account that they see and contacts that they personally know with that account, they'll jump into the Slack channel, you know, and type in and say, you know, what they know about the account and, and basically give us more intel related to that signal. And this intel also helps in making the follow-ups more personalized. The other thing that we've done is we've moved away from that one email SDR follow-up that I mentioned. Now, instead, we are implementing a longer email cadence. So this is in line with that follow-up cadence I mentioned after the webinars and virtual events that's been effective for us. We're doing the same thing for our G2 um, intent signals. So we're emailing um, the contacts at the account in a five-email follow-up cadence. And we're finding that because the cadence is longer, it's giving, you know, it keeps peppering in to the contact, you know, over time, every few days, it's peppering, you know, another email, more information about Intelomize and getting them to that point where they actually reply and raise their hand and schedule a meeting with us. The other thing that we're doing is when we see an account and we know that an internal team member at Intelomize has a very relevant connection um, that we'd be interested in speaking with at that account, we have that team member reach out to that contact directly. And so we're finding with this two-prong approach that we're getting so much more success around the G2 buyer intent data. And this is how we're taking action on it now. And it's much more successful. We actually used to not, I don't think we had at one point any MQLs coming from G2 intent data. Now 21% of our marketing attributed MQLs are coming from this because of this two-prong approach that we've implemented. That's a fantastic ROI from, from G2. I think people are yeah. taking notes. And uh, yeah, it kind of shows that if you if you are able to make those intent data, intent, intent signals actionable, you can really get a ton of value. It's just Absolutely. that's the tricky part. Yeah. So I know we're almost out of time, but I have two more questions for you. And I want to I wanna make sure we cover that because sure. I want to understand how you work with your sales team you guys are very ABM oriented and you have this, you know, very enterprise approach. So I'm very curious to know how you're working with the sales team. How is marketing collaborating together with sales to, uh, to engage and convert this uh, large enterprise accounts? Sure. And I, I know that a lot of organizations will, you know, have the cliche that, Oh, there's, we have, you know, sales marketing alignment and everything is uh, rainbows and sunshine. And I, I thought I had alignment, you know, at previous organizations I was in, but it really, really um, is different here at Intelomize. And we approach things differently to really create that alignment. So we don't just say it, but we're actually doing it and living it every day. And so at the beginning of each quarter, uh, we meet with the sales team and we literally go line by line on the target account list and make sure we're aligned on every single account and why that account is on the target uh, target account list. So marketing and sales have the same target account list for ABM. And we're both looking at that account list together on a regular basis and aligning around it as a whole at the beginning of each quarter. Um, So that I would say was the most pivotal thing when we started doing that uh, to form alignment. The other thing is how we look at MQLs. So it is, it is called, you know, an MQL. It is, does have the word marketing in there, but an MQL we use across the board. So whether 
that MQL is driven by a marketing program or it's driven by a sales outbound activity or it's driven by something you know, outside of marketing or sales, maybe a referral from the outside, we still call it an MQL. And so it doesn't matter what source it's coming from. The important thing is that it's on our target account list, that it's in our ICP, that they requested a demo, that they've raised their hand, that they want to talk to us. And so we count that towards that MQL goal. And it's the same goal for the for both teams for the whole company. So this has really helped us have true collaboration, um, that we're sharing these goals, and that there's no fight between marketing and sales about one team trying to take credit. Um, and there's no battle like that. We're all focused on that same list and that same number. That's fantastic. I saw that going wrong a lot of times where, you know, sales and marketing are arguing on who will take credit for a specific opportunity. And that usually never ends up in a, in a good way. No, <laughs> and I'm so <laughs> glad I don't have to live that. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's awesome. And then, um, I want to know another uh, another thing from you before we we close because you guys are doing a lot of work on ABM. So I would like to know what kind of uh, advice would you share today of something that has worked for you that could be implemented quickly and drive a lot of results. Great question. So I think what I can think of in the context of ABM is that is about the target accounts list itself and which accounts you're going after. I'd say a while ago, our target accounts list used to be a lot longer and almost untackleable, if that's a word. Um, It was just so long and it was also almost very random. I mean, every account on there was in our ICP, but it was almost just a random like who's who's list of of companies in our ICP um, without real purpose for being on this list. The ABM target account list today is much shorter and each account on that list is on there for a very specific reason. So they're all still in our ICP, but they're on there for a very specific reason. And that reason typically is that account is a friend, like a vendor friend of another uh, customer that we have. So what we do is we look at all of our best customer logos We look at the strongest customer stats that we have and and are uh, free to share publicly with our audiences. And we say, based on these stats, based on these logos, based on these case studies that we have to share and put in front of prospects, what are the friends of these customers? And we build our target accounts list around that because those are the people when they see that, you know, a VP of marketing talking about Intellimize and finding success with Intellimize, they're going to say, hey, I want to do that too. And so we have found that that is has become the most effective approach for us to draw people's interest. And so um, I'll give you an example. We have a uh, a very strong customer logo uh, that's in the cosmetics industry. And we have a very, the the CEO who's very well known in that industry. um, We have a quote from him and we also have a case study, case study video from him. And Prior to this, we have never really thought about specifically targeting the cosmetics industry. It, it, it didn't you know, cross our mind. We thought more broadly about e-commerce in general, but not very specifically about cosmetics. But when we started you know, looking at our customers and, and looking at you know, what we had to work with as far as assets to put in front of prospects, going after cosmetics seemed to make so much sense. And so we started building a cosmetics-focused target accounts list 
And now we are running, um, based on this list, you know, direct mail at these people. We're also running email campaigns as well as paid ads. And so we're finding that our results are just going through the roof uh, with this approach, much higher than our baseline average from before. And we're getting hand raisers this way who are interested in speaking with us. So you basically recommend to shorter the list instead of expanding it for the people listening you are recommending to remove some of the accounts in the list and try to concentrate more instead of you know adding more accounts right it's not results. about the quantity exactly it's not about the quantity it's about why is that account on the list do we have a customer logo or story that can support that account being on that list where if we marketed to that account do we have a case study to put in front of them that would compel them and make them want to look at it and learn more about Intellimize? That's a great advice for everyone who is trying to implement some level of ABM strategy. So Sesame, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, Franco.